make the jump. Like, even if you don't know what you're going to do, like do something to pass the time, do a, you know, bartend, like serve, do something you got to do, but don't stay in anything that's not serving you. I've felt like that about any, every aspect of my life, friendships, relationships, jobs, living situations, like life is too short to stay and to settle. And I'm a big believer in living a passionate life. And you can't do that if if you're the main thing that takes up the majority of your time doesn't make you happy. Hey, everyone. Happy Monday. Welcome to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. And today I have one of my absolute best friends. I'm so excited that she's sitting in front of me getting ready to share her story with us today. And I'm really excited, beyond excited to share a little bit about my friend Kimmy. So Kimmy, to share a little bit about her for y'all, she and I met when we were fresh out of college. I had just started grad school. Kimmy went to college at ECU, go purple and gold. I'll add that in there just for her. And she came to Raleigh because that's where she's from. And she had started her career here and wanted a part-time job. And so we both worked for the Anheuser-Busch distributor here in Raleigh doing promotions, aka Bud Light Girls. We were much classier than what may be coming to mind of an image of what a Bud Light Girl looks like for y'all. But I can remember the first day that Kimmy came to work with us and being a little unsure because she was an outsider coming to Raleigh to be a team member with us. And our friendship has just been history from there. And so a little bit about Kimmy. She is a regional sales manager for one of the fastest growing craft breweries in North Carolina, has been working in a mostly male-dominated industry for the last six years. She enjoys bubble baths, live music, red wine, and a good and or bad cry. Crying is the best. And we're big cry buddies, very emotional, which is a positive in our perspective. And I just love Kimmy so much. So welcome, Kimmy. Hi. I'm so excited. Yes. And a little nervous. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. We've never recorded any of our conversations and our our outings together. So I think this is new for both of us. But It's a little more hardware and a little more distance. But. Yeah. <laughs> We're usually sitting right next to each other mm-hmm. instead of six feet away yeah. in this loft space with mics and headphones. Yeah, we're normally like stroking each other's hair <laughs> or something. <laughs> yes, physical touch is big for both Kimmy and I, which I can appreciate. Kimmy, tell us a little bit about you. Um, okay, well, I, like you said, I'm from Raleigh, born and raised, um, My family is mostly from Claims, Arizona, so we spend some time out that way as much as possible. But this is my home. I left for school and came right back. Um, I got a degree in interior design and really enjoyed working in that field. It was cool because it kind of overlapped with what my dad has always done. He's always been in custom home building. Um, So we had something to connect on um, professionally, which was cool. But it just wasn't my calling. And so I switched over from that. I half stepped into beer, how we met. I was doing both jobs and actually a third job at that time. Um, And then just kind of found that the opportunity was there to grow in the beer industry. And it got me out of my desk job that I wasn't enjoying faster, got me moving out of my parents' house and independent faster. So 
I jumped on the the beer train and didn't ever intend on having a full-time job in that industry, but now I'm here and I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Um, yeah. So that's been a big part of my life. And, you know, I have uh, my partner, Jamie, is my boyfriend and he's got three kids. So we've got a very interesting blended family dynamic at our house that I'm trying to navigate and uh, sometimes gracefully, sometimes not. <laughs> Reasonably so. And there's three children under the age of 12. Correct. We have five, eight and 11. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Two girls and a boy. Yeah. I met them when they were three, six and nine. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. You know, you hit on the fact that when you came here, you had started a job in design, which is what you got your undergraduate degree in. And then most of us can imagine, or maybe not most of us, that's not fair to say, but handfuls of people when they leave undergrad and go get a full-time job in their career of choice per se maybe pick up a second job as well. You know, they're not necessarily ready to leave behind a part of their life or they'd like the extra income, want to make sure you can meet people. So you joined Bud Light Girls. How did, remind me how you found out about the job because you weren't originally from, you were from here, but you weren't here. Yeah, I didn't go to state with you guys. And most of you guys all met at NC State and met, you know, because you were at these promotions and right. got recruited almost. Um, so I knew one of the BAMs, um, Taylor. Her and I went to high school together. That's right. So we were connected on Facebook, and she was posting all sorts of pictures all the time of the Bud Light girls and, you know, the T-shirts and um, all these cute young girls that looked like they were having a blast. And she posted uh, one day that they were looking for somebody and made a mention at, you know, the kinds of money you'd be making and whatever nights and weekends and I was like uh yes please yes please I was um you know the desk job the interior design job was a nine to five desk job essentially so nights and weekends were the only flexibility I had so service industry is the first place my mind goes and I didn't have any experience though so I was applying for hostessing serve you know bartending serving anything and I wouldn't get a call back on anything yeah so she posted that and it was just perfect timing. Um, so I was like, yeah, please sign me up. And because she knew me, you know, that kind of worked out probably yeah. the way it did. So I always attribute her to how I got into the industry and we, she's still in it too, which is cool. We run into each other all the time. Yeah. You know, that industry, I can imagine many people have seen promotion teams for various alcohol sale companies and have wondered how do people get that job, right? How do you get to be a Bud Light girl? How do you get to promote liquor? How do you do any of that? And a lot of it does seem to be people you know is how you get into the industry. They do post those jobs. You know, I remember that we did post for brand ambassadors or for sales teams or for the promotion team on certain job sites, but it wasn't as common that we'd get people. Mm -hmm. The teams are so small. I mean, our team of women was what? 10 of us max total yeah at any given point but I feel like it was you know a core group of at least seven of us at all times with some extra people here and there that came and went but we were like lifers (laughs) yeah which I you know last night Kimmy and I were talking about Kimmy coming here today and you know giving just some what is the word I want to use not advice but hashing out what today would look like and doing a quick run through and we both acknowledge that something we often think about and talk about within our tight friend circle is how we all met from this part-time gig that seems like a job that you would write off right we're slinging Bud Light Limes at a bar trying to get people to drink this alcohol that I won't even touch now 
can't tell you the last time I put a Bud Light near my mouth, right? And so there's handfuls of people who I can imagine have worked for part-time jobs and have never talked to those people again. All of us are still super close friends. This core knit of seven or eight of us that all work together. We picked each other up. We found each other. And, oh, do you want this job? You should work for us. I'd love to work with you. Oh my gosh, you need to come work with us. And yeah, we lost a few along the way, you know, the ones that didn't integrate themselves into this core group. But we've been one of our girls' weddings. We've got weddings coming up. We've had weddings go by. We've all stuck together through undergraduate, graduate, career change, babies, weddings, moves, all of it. And I think that's so incredible that this job that started at the bottom, literally, drinking Bud Light. We are so much beyond that now. We've grown and mastered the ability of drinking champagne and red wine, excuse me, instead of Bud Light. Our tastes have elevated a little since then. 100%. You said it perfectly. (laughs) All of us are amazing young women. When y'all have seen these promotion teams, and I can imagine a little bit of our audience can think about a time they've been at a bar in Raleigh or a bar in Charlotte or any of these big cities where they've seen promotion teams, Bud Light or, or something else, and wondering about the lives of those women. What do they do? We would answer questions all the time. Mm-hmm. What do you girls do? What do you want to do with your lives? All of us had degrees or were actively getting degrees. I had the job while I was still in college. We were all going further in our careers. Mm-hmm. We all had personal lives that were full and fulfilling. And it shocked a lot of the customers that we would talk to. Yeah, I think because, uh, you know, there was another group out there at the same time as us in a different part of the industry that dressed differently than we did. And um, that kind of just gives you it objectifies you before you've even opened your mouth. Yeah. Um, So I appreciated working where we did and that that wasn't part of the gig. And, you know, we were we were classy. We, you know, dressed respectfully, um, but we had a great time. We were fun and bubbly, but it wasn't about like how little clothing we were wearing or I don't know. So yeah, we were, we were different and I wasn't ever expecting to, um, get the friendships out of that, that we did. And like you said, I mean, I've had full-time jobs where I was with people a lot longer than we were for that job. I mean, one night would maybe only be one promotion. You may only be together for an hour and a half, two hours tops, up to six or eight hours, depending on, you know, what we were pushing at the time and what time of year it was. But yeah, and we all had the opportunity to become really close separately from each other and together, which was cool because not all of us were included on every single promotion. It was usually a group of two, sometimes more. Um, but it was usually two people and it wasn't always the same two people. Right. And the same two people didn't always go to the same location. So it was cool. It was just something different and new all the time. And you were forced to figure out how to talk with these strangers with someone who at the beginning, like is also a stranger. stranger. Yeah, exactly. We are put in positions where we have to get to know each other really fast, or you're really encouraged to do so to make your job easier and more fun. If you don't like the person you're working with for two and a half hours, having to talk with them and set up a promotion site for them and ride with them, potentially, it's not going to be a really fun job. Mm -hmm. We worked really hard at making sure we had people that got along. Yeah. And the dynamics were always fun because there might be a customer that's talking to you and I don't know, maybe they say a joke that doesn't quite land with one of you and you kind of don't answer (laughs) and the other person like it lands well with them and they know how to drive with that kind of. So it was really cool to see everyone's different personalities be able to handle that job and make it fun. 
Yeah. I love how you mentioned too that being in alcohol sales, and I think you can talk about this more in a little while, you know, is a male dominated industry. And we are objectified as women from the get go. One of the questions I asked when I applied to be on the Bud Light Girl team was, what are we wearing? And that's unfortunate that we even have to ask that because I know now all of us strong women that are in this core group of friends are like, fuck that, wear what you want, has nothing to do with whether people should respect you or not. And yet five years ago when we did this job, it was absolutely something we thought about Mm -hmm. when we were picking out uniforms, which we were allowed to give input on, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. Most of these teams get the input from higher ups. What do we think would sell? What's the cheapest option? We were allowed to say, we'll never wear that. Yeah. We won't be walking around in bathing suits as I know Corona Mm -hmm. used to do. That was absolutely never going to happen. Yeah. No. No. No, no. Nope. Can you imagine? (laughs) No. Especially not now. (laughs) Oh, not now. No. No. Maybe then, but even then, no. Oh, you would. I would have had to be drunk. Yeah. At work, which was not allowed. We'd have to be on in the beach market. And then it's like, okay, well, it makes sense. But in Raleigh, where, you know. Why am I wearing a bathing suit at a country bar? Mm -mm. No. Very confusing. Agreed. Kimmy, when I first told you about the podcast, you were a huge support of mine. Super excited. Love the logo. Love that I was creating this podcast. And then I came to you one night and said, I need to ask you something. And of course, your first thought was, did I secretly get married and not tell you Is something happening that I need to tell you? I asked you to be a guest on this podcast and you understood the premise behind it and why I wanted to have people in my life get on here and share their stories and dig into that. What has come up for you? I kind of, you know, was expecting it to come at some point, I guess, on some level, Um, but I don't know. I can tend to uh, suffer from some imposter syndrome in a lot of ways in my life. So, and, you know, Jamie, we were talking through it last night as I'm thinking about just my three, uh, three little sentences to send you about myself. I'm like, why am I even on this? Like everyone before <laughs> me has all of these things that they're doing and supporting and launching and whatever. And I'm just, I just sell beer. Um, but you know, I think I really have appreciated the message of your podcast and that you are speaking with real people about real things because it's relatable. And, you know, of course it's exciting to listen to a celebrity podcast and uh, interview other celebrities about these, you know, movies they do and places they've traveled and whatever. And that's really awesome. Um, And there are pieces that are relatable from their episodes, but a lot of it is way out of our reach and way out of our like even scope of understanding. Um, So it's been really refreshing to listen to who you've been talking to. And I feel really honored to be one of them. And, um, you know, I have a a different life just like everybody else does. And, you know, maybe I'm not doing X, Y, Z with my time, but, um, you know, I'm living my life the best way I know how and Mm -hmm. uh, embracing the curveballs that get thrown at me. And I think uh, a theme in my life has been adjusting to what I thought, how I thought it was going to go and adjusting to reality of things. Mm -hmm. And that's been something that keeps coming up for me, I think, when I pause to, to reflect on it that way. And part of that was, you know, leaving the, the design industry for the beer industry. Like I always thought I would get a degree and work in that field and, um, you know, have my dream job and, 
stay in that forever. And, um, that very quickly wasn't the case and I had to adjust and become comfortable with my decision to adjust because a lot of people wouldn't adjust. They would just stay. Um, and so that's something that I, um, I admire about myself that I have the ability to change my mind and change direction when I need to. Yeah. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about what got you into design, because at the beginning you mentioned that it was something you would have in common with your dad. What even led you to have this motivation or desire to go into design in the first place? Um, you know, once I was in it and I was reflecting back on my life and like how I got here and like, oh yeah, it makes sense that I'm in this now. I remember um, my mom would always change up my room and there'd be a day where I'd come home from school and maybe she bought me brand new bedding and Hmm. I didn't know and it'd be a whole new color scheme or whatever. And I thought that was like the coolest thing ever. And sometimes she or and or her and I would rearrange the furniture in my room in a totally different way. And that was always something that was going on um, that made me excited about my room and always gave my room new energy. And, you know, as a little kid, that's like, that's your place. That's your safe space, you know, so to make it your own and have it always changing um, as you're always changing is really cool. So that was something that always happened. And I liked to draw a lot. So I had these sketchbooks that I found later where I was like doing, you know, floor plans, like that's amazing. Yeah. And like the way that it made sense for me to do it back then, but that's what they were and like little elevations or, um, (laughs) did you play Sims as a kid? Yes. (laughs) My best friend, um, in third grade had that, uh, on her computer in the kitchen remember when computers used to be like in a computer room or in the kitchen at the desk like yeah so she had a computer in the kitchen and we would sit there and play sims for hours and my favorite part was designing my little family um but then just the house I wouldn't even play once the house was done and (laughs) I got the house how I wanted it I'm like okay let's start a new family now for them to be neighbors (laughs) you would love animal crossing I, I, yeah, I want to get into it. You keep yeah. talking about it and I'm like ready to pull the trigger on buying a Nintendo you would love Switch. It. You have a whole island to design how you wish and what I will admit here, geek alert, whether you want to call it that or not, but I'm part of a group that our previous guest Katie invited me into that's Animal Crossing for ages 25 and up on Facebook. So many people our age and older create these amazing immaculate islands. They show people, you can bring people on tours or do what are called, you know, dream accesses where you get to go in when someone's not there and look at their island and then they bulldoze it they tear it all down and they start over from scratch oh my gosh because I can imagine people are similar to you and that they do this for the design aesthetic they love it and then they want to do something else yeah so we had someone the other day that created a Jurassic Park jungle theme they were bringing other people on tours and then they were going to bulldoze it and start so to do something else. That aspect of it stresses me out. <laughs> I would just want to build more and more and more and keep them separate. Um, yeah, the act of like wiping it out and starting over stresses no. me out a little. Yes. But yes, it's a, it sounds like something I would enjoy. Well, you have three children. So what you could do is have them all create separate islands, which I don't think you can do unless you have separate switches. Anyway, <laughs> conversation for another day. Design has always been a part of your life, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Growing up as a kid, I used to go on job sites with my dad all the time. Um, and back then, you know, what I remember of that was like helping him pick up nails like around the job site and um, like playing in kid the big friendly activities. And, yeah. So it wasn't <laughs> like, but I was just in that realm, you know, and I think we all look up to our parents and whatever they do, we think is the coolest the thing coolest. in the world. So yeah. I thought it was cool being a 
little girl climbing dirt piles on the dirt site on the job site with my dad. So all of us think whatever our parents do is really cool and they're they're the coolest people in the world. So I thought it was awesome to be able to go on job sites and, you know, be the only little girl out there with my dad. And um, after that, you know, I was in high school and there was a interior design class in high school and there was two two levels of it. And so I took the first level and I loved it more than anybody else. And at least my class did. I feel I took, I, I took it very seriously and it wasn't just, was it one I'm, of those easier, um, what are those called? They're not core classes. What am I talking about? Um, I know what you're talking about. Like, cause home ec and whatever and child development, like all those things. I'm literally blanking. What are we talking about? Lifestyle. Um, <laughs> anyway, non-core classes. <laughs> yeah. Um, elective. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah. So there was a housing and interiors elective and there were two levels of it. And a lot of people took it because it was easy and fun. And the teacher was really funny and awesome. Um, so that's how I got into it. But then. I like loved it. I loved every project we had to do, every assignment we had to do. And it wasn't just about, you know, do the assignment and turn it in. It was like, this is fun and I'm good at it. Yeah. And I want to do it and I want to do the next thing. And I want to do more than I'm being asked to do. Like, that's a big deal when you find yourself going above and beyond, you know, thinking about what you went to school for. Did you find yourself excited? By the material that you were reading and feeling compelled to go read more or learn more. And it sounds like that started in high school for you. Yeah, absolutely. And my teacher was a huge part of it, too. And she was amazing. And she, you know, could she picked up on how much I was into it. And so her and I created like a pretty close bond. And she helped me. She wrote my recommendation letter for ECU and a couple other schools that I had applied to with the, the similar program. But she told me like, you've got to go to ECU. If this is what you want to do, they have the best program. It's super competitive, but like, that's where you got to go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she really influenced me to, I guess she was the tipping point for me. Like I had all this other stuff, like, yeah, it was interesting and cool when I was a kid to decorate my room and it was cool to be with my dad on job sites and stuff like that. But then she really was the tipping point and made me like, okay, I'm going to do this and we're going to, we're going to see how this goes. And the program in school, it was really hard. And yeah. I know it, NC State has a design program. And from what we've heard briefly from people we've met along the way that have done it, it's a hard program. Yeah, it was very time consuming. There were um, th- some of the classes were, you know, l- a lot of three hour lab style classes where mm-hmm. I'm just sitting at a big drafting table and I am just meticulously drawing and measuring. And can you imagine doing that now? No. I don't know how I did it then. It was really hard. It was hard and it was um, mentally hard. I mean, I really struggled during some big projects of ours back then with time management and just how big the projects were Mm -hmm. and how long they took. And, you know, I'm seeing all my friends who are in different majors who are a little less demanding, who are not working, you know, the same types of hours I am or... Um, and you know, we all work differently. So there's, there's definitely some of that to it too. But I think I was, um, a procrastinator. I worked really well under pressure. So yeah. I think I, I brought a lot of that on myself, but sure. there were many nights where we'd have to build a model and do all of these boards and these 
plans and elevations and schematic drawings and coloring and like just, you know, a full project from start to finish by ourselves. And that sounds exhausting. It was. And I would leave a big chunk of it to the end and I would have a Harry Potter day and I would put on I would watch every single movie like consecutively. How many hours is that? Too many. Not healthy. (laughs) (laughs) Not healthy. But I, yeah, I would. I would just hold myself up in, in the living room or my bedroom and I would put those on because I'm so familiar with them. I don't need to physically be yeah. watching them to know what's going on. And it's just background noise. Right. And I would bang out a project and like whatever, however long that took, two days. That's amazing. Harry Potter guiding us to finishing our college degrees. Yeah. 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 So that was hard. And then I uh, we had to do an internship as part of the program. And So I did that with someone in Raleigh who was really awesome, and I loved that experience. Um, It was a private um, residential designer, and I wanted to be in residential design as opposed to commercial. That's what I thought I wanted to do, Um, work on people's houses instead of their offices. Just the finishes are more fun, and it's more personal, and it's a little less, you know. Not as corporate. Yeah, exactly. But then... I graduated and through, you know, a connection from the internship I did slash my dad, I got the job that I did at the office where I was at. And I was prepared for that to be like, this is it. This is it. This is my dream job. Like, that's exactly where I want to be. And it was so fun for a while. And I loved being around all of the fun fabrics. And I loved, you know, putting together stuff for real clients. Mm-hmm. It was so much more fun than school because it was real. Yep. And um, it was a great time. And I was an assistant to the owner. And so I had access to some really fun, really big projects to assist her on, which was really cool to see. And I just, I felt like a starry eyed, you know, little girl, like this is my dream job. I'm so, I'm, you know, the luckiest girl in the world, but You're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed the minute you showed up. Yeah, and then I started to get a little bit of independence as I was growing within the company, and um, I started being able to actually work with my dad a little bit. He was working with one of the other designers there also for certain things with his houses. So there'd be certain things that we'd either collaborate on or I would help with, which was cool. I, you know, would have lunch dates with my dad sometimes and be able to talk about work and had a a second layer of connection with him. which was really cool. But it just, as the more independence I got, the more I was just realized like, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. Like Mm. it's, it's fun and I'm good at it, but it's, I'm just missing something like, yeah. Um, what gave you the sense of that? How did you come to realize, Oh, I am good at this yet. I don't want to do this forever. I just, um, I don't know. It just wasn't fulfilling. It was fun and I was good at it, but I just didn't feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And um, I knew that I could get that satisfaction without it being my job. And I could just do that by helping out a friend. Like if you want to go hit, you know, at home together and you need advice on, you know, whatever, like I can get my fill on design that way by helping my friends or just redesigning my own house. Um, It didn't need to be your career. No. But then I was like, well, then what what is? Yeah. I mean, you just spent four years and thousands of hours of your time obtaining a degree in design. Mm -hmm. And, you know, having this connection with with my dad over it and having this unspoken me putting the pressure on my own shoulders 
of not wanting to disappoint my parents um, for leaving the field that I got my degree in. And, you know, at the time, I didn't even know what I wanted to leave for. Mm. But I remember telling my mom, and I was so nervous about it, but I had gotten one of my paychecks, and it was not enough to live on by any means. And I I was crying because I was like, how am I going to ever move out of my parents' house? Like, I don't see the, I don't see that end goal in sight right now. And I'm not fulfilled. Yeah. So I remember telling her after I got that paycheck, like in tears, like that I wanted to leave the industry and I wanted to do something else. And um, my parents were always super supportive of it. And like they have been about everything. I just kind of, you know, talk myself into being nervous about stuff that I don't need to be. But, um, well, there's a natural pressure there when we apply for college that at 18, 19, you're supposed to know what you want to do mm-hmm. for the remainder of your working career for the next 40 years of your life. That's not the case for no. many individuals. You know, your story, I can imagine, hits home for so many listeners and even beyond of we went to college, got a four-year degree, and do nothing related to our four-year degree. Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many people, even in our immediate circle, I can think of that do that, that have a degree in a field and then went and got training in something else. And that's what fulfilled them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's when we're 18, 19 and we're going from high school to college and yeah, having to pick something right away because the rest of those four years or however, unless you want to take longer, you have to take the certain classes to get to your end goal. And we don't know. A lot of us don't know that. Like we're just not living with our parents for the first time. And that's the most important thing to us. Like it's our first, it's our first sense of yeah, freedom and figuring out how to be an individual. And that alone is hard. It's a journey in and of itself. And yeah, I'll speak for myself that I am one of a few that I think always knew what I wanted to do. And that never changed for me, but I can absolutely empathize. You know, I have family members that are in the same position. I have people immediately close to me that went to school for a degree, Josh included, not working in that field. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting now because, of course, no one uh, gets a degree in beer. So even what would that be? Sales, business, communication? Yeah, yeah, something generic um, like that that just crosses over uh, sales. But um. It's been one of my jokes because, you know, naturally, if I get a a conversation going with a customer somewhere, if I'm at a promotion or whatever, you know, they usually ask, how did you get into this? And um, sometimes I'll include the joke like, well, you know, I went to ECU, so beer's always been in my blood. Yeah. (laughs) But um, yeah, no one in the industry, obviously, like that was their end goal in mind. Not not anyone I've come across, at least. So it. It's a interesting conversation to have with people in the industry. I always enjoy asking people that question um, because I know that that's not where most of us intended to be. So I'm yeah. like, yeah, what? Like, how'd you get here? Yeah, and it's different for everyone. Yeah, and now with the you know the knowledge that I have, I wish I would have gotten a degree in like business and marketing or something. Oh yes, marketing sounds like a really good fit yeah. for this job. Yeah, and and any job really. I mean, in the times that we live in, like. Everyone needs marketing and, you know, the better marketing you have, the more successful you're going to be. Right. And so where I'm at now is, you know, a prime example of that. Like where I work now, um, the craft brewery I work for, the marketing is, I mean, you can't compete with it. No, no. 
y'all have these amazing logos, designs, promotions, maybe what is I'm what's the word I'm or maybe the phrase that you use of the not promotions, but sort of like the sketches that y'all come up with, right? You know, these are things that we need creative minds behind to get mm-hmm. people's attention because we're competing with 50 plus other beer companies. Yeah. You, um, people now more than ever shop with their eyes first. Yeah. So if you can get them to stop in front of your product, touch it, look at it, take it, pick it up, like you're, you're more than halfway there. Right. If anyone listening watches the Great British Baking Show, Prue says that you eat with your eyes first. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, you know, we, craft breweries being what they are and they're on every corner in every city and every state, they're everywhere. You um, you have to do something to stand out. And I feel where I'm at right now, the marketing piece of that. And then obviously the beer on the inside is just a dangerous combination. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. If you had to right now share something with listeners or people who may find this podcast down the line who would be in a similar position as you, where they went to school for a career path that they thought they wanted to get into, they're working there now and don't feel fulfilled, but they're scared, what would you tell people? Make the jump. Like, even if you don't know what you're going to do, like, do something to pass the time do a, you know, bartend, like serve, do something you got to do, but don't stay in anything that's not serving you. I've felt like that about any, every aspect of my life, friendships, relationships, jobs, living situations, like life is too short to stay and to settle. And I'm a big believer in living a passionate life. And you can't do that if if you're the main thing that takes up the majority of your time doesn't make you happy. Yeah. Yeah. So do things that make you happy, even if you're scared. Yeah. You just have to make the jump and have people around you that support you. And even if not, just be brave enough to say, this isn't for me and I'm going to figure it out. Because we all have, you know, you don't know how much time you have, but as far as we know, we have the time to make the decisions and the time's going to pass anyway. So you can spend, you know, X amount of your life or your whole life unhappy and unfulfilled or you can do the scary thing and um that that moment won't last as long as and you won't you'll you won't look back and regret it Mm -mm. Mm -mm. the scary moment passes absolutely right feelings are temporary yeah you're not going to be scared forever you won't be uncomfortable forever but what you'll guarantee is if you stay in an uncomfortable job forever Mm -hmm. that may never change yeah and that stuff bleeds into every other aspect of your life so you know, if you're unhappy at work, you're probably not the, you know, being your best self, taking care of yourself. You're probably not being the best partner if you have one, the best friend, the best member of your family, because you're just, you're not happy and you can't give to people what you aren't willing to give yourself. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's something that being in the field I'm in as a therapist, we talk about often, you know, I'll tell my clients or therapists don't tell people what to do, but we will suggest <laughs> To our clients, you know, oh, maybe try this, try that. Well, have you thought about doing X, Y, or Z? If I'm not willing to do that for myself, I damn sure should not be telling somebody else that they need to go do it for themselves. Yeah. I mean, it's, trust me, I I understand the the fear piece of it for sure. I'm a, that that emotion comes pretty naturally to me, even uh, when I'm creating a scenario in my mind. But isn't that what what all fear is, is 
us telling ourselves a version of a story that's probably not the true version. And we're probably scared of something happening that's probably not going to happen. So why not just take a chance? Right. Yeah, absolutely. By taking a chance, you're allowing for possibility, Mm -hmm. good or bad. By staying in the same place, you are guaranteeing something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How has the beer industry been treating you? It's been interesting, you know, because of uh, last year, COVID being what it was in 2020. um, It was a scary time at the beginning Mm -hmm. because I watched a lot of my friends or, you know, just people I know in the industry get furloughed, laid off immediately or, you know, after a little bit of time, just there, it came in waves of Mm -hmm. me watching people doing my exact same job, being furloughed or laid off, some coming back, some never coming back and some, some breweries cutting their entire sales force or, you know, some breweries closed during it. And at the beginning it was pretty scary, but I'm very fortunate to be where I'm at because there was so much communication from the very beginning with all of us to make us feel as comfortable as possible. And, you know, I never, I was fortunate enough to never be furloughed. I worked the entire time, but with that also comes some challenges. Um, it was also pretty hard to be out in the market, um, when everything was first going down and, you know, we, our rules were changing pretty frequently as we were all figuring this virus out together. And initially, you know, we weren't, allowed to bring our phones into the stores and we weren't allowed to bring anything that could be contaminated. Yeah. Like if you don't need to bring it in, don't. And, you know, wear gloves and they were mailing us boxes and boxes of gloves and change your gloves after every store. And yeah, hand sanitizer and, you know, masks and all of this stuff that just was, you know, not a part of anyone's life before. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then, um, I was right in the face of it, not, you know, like in the medical industry, which is much more serious. But, you know, I was in grocery stores and seeing it every single day when it was really scary and Mm -hmm. just like, this is strange. Um, But it's been, you know, it's slowly gotten better, obviously, for everybody, most people. Um, So, yeah, the beer industry has been fun. And under normal circumstances, my calendar is a lot more stacked (laughs) like everybody else's. So that's one thing I've enjoyed about this past year is I've learned how to reprioritize my time Mm -hmm. and to balance my time between, um, you know, work and personal a little bit better than I did before. I used to be way more of a yes person and would just if the block on my calendar was empty, then that meant I was free. So, yes. And I'm learning more about myself and that that doesn't mean I'm free and that doesn't mean I'm going to be in the headspace to give it my best self, whether it's a personal, you know, scheduling thing or a professional thing. Um, I just try to be a little bit better about. Well, if I was traveling all week and I'm going to be coming back on that Friday, I wouldn't have been home and sleeping in my own bed for how many days? Am I going to want to do something that Friday? Probably not. Right. More of forward thinking. Yeah. And that makes me feel better. It makes me feel like I have more control over my schedule, whereas um, before things were normal, um, my my schedule controlled me. Normal. Yeah. Whatever that means at this point. <laughs> but 
yeah, my schedule used to control me and now I control my schedule, which makes me feel better. I love that. So your partner has three littles that are coming in and out of your home being young children in school-aged elementary school. What has that been like over the last year with COVID? Um, interesting. <laughs> You're like, what is the safest word that uh, I can say right now? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been hard on everybody in uh, very different ways. Um, Jamie was out of work for the majority of last year. So he was home a lot with them in the beginning. Um, and then towards the middle to, you know, later part of the year, he started working again. And so the both of us were out of the house and we're very fortunate to have the strong uh, relationships with our super sweet neighbors that we do, that they've been um, helping us out with the kiddos while both of us That's work great. during the week. Yeah, it, we're very fortunate, um, but it's been hard on the kids. You know, they, their lives hit pause more than anyone in our house. Yeah. Um, I think that's important to take a second to think about that we as adults, you know, 18 plus people who are in college or working full-time jobs, even out of the home with their parents or even home with their parents now because of COVID. But if you're not under the age of 15, you know, we think our lives got flipped upside down. Think about school-age children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Addison was, um, was in daycare and was really thriving in that. She was making friends and loved her teachers and was doing really well. They were doing all sorts of, you know, take them to gymnastics this day and soccer that day. And um, we were getting all sorts of pictures of the different activities she's doing and things she's learning. And she was loving it. And, you know, she got pulled out of that. And I feel like for her, it's been really hard because that was, you know, an introduction to some structure, mm -hmm. other kids, school, like, you know, setting. Um, preparing her for kindergarten and we just had to pull the plug Yeah, and she doesn't have virtual school to be doing. So, you know, she's probably the most bored of the three. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, someone please entertain me. Yeah. And, um, the other two who are having to do virtual school, you know, it's hard and I can't imagine doing that. I mean, I struggled enough with being in a classroom and, you know, I didn't pick up math super quickly. Um, I had to go to a learning center mm. and help with that. And it did tremendously. And it, whatever, however they taught me, like it clicked after that. And I was really good at math, but I couldn't imagine being taught through a laptop and having all of the distractions of my house available to me and being, having to force myself to sit and listen to someone on the other side of a screen for hours no and basically teach myself you know what we're supposed to be learning oh 100 percent. and now you're at home home is initially designed to be this safe space your comfort space where you can do as you please and be who you'd like to be without that structure from school and now you're having to listen to a teacher through a screen mm-hmm and, you know, we are all just around each other all the time, which some days that's great. And some days it's hard on one or two of us or all of us. You know, it's five personalities mm. stuck in a house way more than we all usually are together. Yeah. So there's a lot more opportunity for, you know, just conflict, rubbing personalities. We're all trying to figure out how to 
you know, prioritize ourselves and find quiet time if that's even possible and or just, you know, our activities like Brayden loves playing Fortnite. So that's his thing. You know, when he needs to zone out or just have his me time, he wants to play some Fortnite. And Alana is very excited to have her own bedroom and is, you know, in that preteen phase and has an iPhone. And (laughs) so she's, you know, she'll go in her room and be on TikTok and make TikTok videos or whatever. And um Addie's in love with her tablet right now and plays Roblox so that's all their thing and Jamie and I have been trying to find healthier things so we got the Peloton bike at yeah, the end of last year so yeah it's some days we're all we're all really good and we all do our things come together and do things together but some days aren't very pretty yeah I can imagine so yeah yeah and as you said you know you've had to adjust not only to a new style of this industry or a new format of being in a sales industry that requires face-to-face contact in the middle of a pandemic. Now you're also at home with on a given day, there's three of you on a given day, there's five of you in any number in between. And you're having to spend hours upon hours with each other, which is not typical when there was school or other scheduled activities at play. Y'all moved during this Mm -hmm. or even was it right before or during? It was right before, and we th- we talk about it all the time, how thankful we are that we moved when we did, oh because we're in a much um, better place for last year to have gone how it did. Yeah. We were in a townhome before, um, and very cramped. Yeah, and no yard space. Yeah. No yard, no neighbor friends for us, for the kids. Yeah. Um, we did have a pool that we're missing, but our neighbors have pools, so. There you go. We the perks of having them. good neighbors. Yeah. 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 So that, I mean, that just sounds like an opportunity, as you were saying earlier, to learn more about yourself. And again, going along with the theme that you mentioned before of adjusting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I never thought I would be a stepmom. Yeah. And I definitely didn't think I'd be one at 28, 29 years old. Um, So that's a role that is very hard sometimes. It can be so rewarding. And I wouldn't change it for anything, um, but it is hard. And um, we don't have the best examples of stepmoms to look to. In look at Hollywood and all yeah. the examples of the evil stepmom. Yeah, and I'm like, now as a little kid, you know, you're just like, well, she's mean, and maybe you don't even think about the fact that she's a stepmom. You're just like, that lady's mean. Um, but now I'm like, you don't really know what she's going through. <laughs> Right? She's trying her best. I'm doing the best I can. I don't know how to do this. Yeah. And um, I'm fortunate to have, you know, the loving partner that I do because he uh, helps me kind of keep, keep my perspective. He helps comfort me when, you know, something's, when I'm struggling. Um, and he helps keep it fun. And he's very naturally super positive look on the bright side he's you know can snap out of an emotion super quickly and bounce back and I am the opposite in so many ways uh so you know I'm in it for my partner if it if we didn't have what we had this wouldn't work out you know we had we have to have a strong foundation for everything else to work so um we do and we constantly work on that and I constantly have to reassess my role because there are no there's no rule book for it someone needs to write that book (laughs) how to be a step parent -parent, co-parent parent stepping in 
while there's a bio parent that maybe is absent for whatever reason or is in the picture, but those two bio parents aren't together. How do you do that? Yeah, we don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, that's the brightest question I've ever been asked. That's the number one question. I would welcome um, a resource, but (laughs) I don't know. You you just have to do it with with some humor. And um, I have to, this is all teaching me to deal with my own, like, illusion of control Mm -hmm. we don't have control over anything ever but we you definitely don't have control in a blended family situation yeah nobody does not just the stepmom and that's hard on everybody in a different way and so I just have to find the humor in things I have to remind myself that you know if someone hurts my feelings it's usually not intentional and um that usually says more about me (laughs) Than the other person, um, which is a lot harder to say right now than in the moment sometimes. But um, sounds like you need to have your ego in check when working with littles or being in a blended family. Yeah, for sure. And for me, that means stepping away sometimes and disengaging. And, you know, I've had to it's been it was pretty hard during times of last year. And I was looking for resources because I was like, I need some help. And I don't know anybody close enough to me to really like hash this out with. And or um, who's in the same position as you. Yeah. And because everybody's is so different. I know a lot of people in blended families, but everyone is just in such a different place. Um, so I started looking for podcasts and started really filtering what comes through on my Instagram feed and who I'm following and that kind of stuff. And started reading things and hearing things and feeling like less guilty about certain Mm -hmm. emotions that I was having that, you know, I didn't know if that was quote normal or, you know, I just started feeling like seen by strangers yeah, and like, okay, so that's okay. And it's okay if I'm not at every single thing and it's okay if I don't do every single thing. And because these kids have moms And I have to remind myself that I am important, too, in a different way. Yeah, You play another role. It may not be the exact same role as biological parents. If they are both active participants, you still have a very important role in these kids' lives. Yeah. And sometimes um, that's hard to remember because there's there's just little reminders that I'm not the mom and things are different with, Mm -hmm. you know, my partner versus me because of that. And. Sometimes it can it can hurt my feelings, but um, I know my place in my house and I'm constantly, you know, doing what I need to do for myself. Mm-hmm. And I know where I can be helpful and where my strengths are going to shine in a certain scenario. And I know where I probably don't have much to contribute and I probably shouldn't. Yeah. Do you feel like the last year has really pointed that out for you? Oh, yeah. 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 We've had some sometimes that haven't been very easy and um i've had to learn when to when to engage and when to not and for me that means taking more bubble baths yes and going out with my friends on the weekends and not feeling guilty for doing those things mm-hmm. um cuz i when i'm doing any of those things i am missing out on something whether it's family movie time, a soccer practice, you know, I'm missing something when I'm prioritizing me or my friends or my fam- my outside family. 
Um, but I just try to make the times that I'm around meaningful and positive. And when they're not, or when I make a mistake or I contribute to something, um, I just apologize. So I've really learned a lot about how to apologize in the last year yeah. or two. Yeah. And learned a lot about forgiveness for myself and for the people around me. Yeah. And just how important that is to recognize that you're not perfect, nor does anybody expect you to be. We may hold ourselves to that standard of perfection. Mm -hmm. And whether that was influenced by our own parents or people or an environment in our life, we are not perfect. Humans are flawed creatures. Mm -hmm. And how important is that to recognize and how freeing is that to accept I just need to say sorry right now, mm -hmm. or I need to acknowledge where I went wrong in this, and then it's over. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, anxiety, the hurt feelings, the, you know, fill in the blank with however you feel in any given scenario usually dissolves a little between both parties. You may still hold on to a little bit like, you know, you did really hurt my feelings, but, but thank you for apologizing. Yeah. That might still be there, but the, the act of apologizing and forgiving is so important in in life in general, but definitely in our house and in our blended family. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I know that people listening can relate to how difficult the last year has been just in and of themselves, parent or not, and then tack on the dynamics of being a step co-parent, however you want to label that. Yeah. Absolutely. You mentioned buying a Peloton mm -hmm. and doing things to begin to take care of yourself at an increased rate than you were before. What else are you doing to take care of yourself? I am becoming a little um, creature of habit. I have all these different routines depending on how much time I have or how I'm feeling. And um, so I find comfort in, in routines of any kind. Um, so this morning, I would have liked to ride the Peloton and probably do a yoga as well, but I was prioritizing sleep because I didn't sleep well <laughs> last night. So I slept in and wasn't hard on myself about missing my workout because I can do it later. Or I can do it tomorrow. Um, but I, you know, I like drinking tea more than coffee. That sits better with me. Coffee kind of adds to my anxiety. Mm -hmm. And um, so I've, I've been drinking lots of loose leaf tea and doing my bubble baths and binge watching stuff on you know all our streaming services jamie and i have a lot of shows that we watch together um but one of my recent me shows that i just watched was bridgerton yeah what'd you think amazing <laughs> i cannot wait for the next season to come out um i've been going on walks you're part of my monday yay if the if the weather's nice i will go on a walk as soon as i'm done with work and i will put my uh, airpods in i'll go by myself and i'll listen to your podcast that's awesome to wrap up my mondays um i listen to lots of podcasts lots of music and happy music yeah feel good like makes me want to dance music I or just that. super nostalgic stuff my 2000s Throwbacks. emo stuff and yeah 90s <laughs> pop jams you know what song comes to mind every time I think about middle high school there was a song that we jokingly made fun of but yet enjoyed I don't remember the title of the song right now and maybe you can help find that title for me but it's the song that says it screams why'd you put the ketchup on the table because you wanted to I don't know that off the top of my head 
it is the funniest song for me to mimic and to scream because I think we thought it was a joke and it was a huge song back in I was probably eighth grade so that's funny you know like 2005 but I'll have to go back and look at that so yes it's so interesting how all that the talk and the memes that are coming out right now about the Gen Z making fun of millennials and the music that we listen to or our hair or skinny jeans we had the best music we did and they're using all of them for all of the TikTok trends right now so it's there's proof yeah so stop (laughs) making fun of us I know. Okay. Side parts are always going to be in. Always. I'm not giving up my side part or my skinny jeans. I have a round jeans. face. I have a super small face. So we're going to keep that. And we're going to keep skinny jeans for us short people. Yeah. So. <laughs> I had a hair appointment yesterday and this came up and I told her, I was like, the side part is what looks best on me. And that makes me happy and confident. And that's never going out of style. Nope. So. Nope. Confidence is never out of style. No. So how are you today? I'm good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was really nervous about this as, as long as I've known you and as much as I love our conversations, like you said, they've, they've never been recorded like this before. For <laughs> At least other as people. much as we know, they've never been recorded. <laughs> oh yeah. True. Um, but in the, in the broader sense, I'm good. I'm prioritizing myself right now in life and my peace and I am I'm healing from things I need to heal from and letting go of things I need to let go of so that I have room for the happy things that are coming my way. And I am, you know, journaling and manifesting and working with my stones and my tarot cards and all that stuff. Um, you know, Jamie kind of giggles at me whenever he catches me in the in the bedroom doing my little things. But um, that stuff makes me happy. Yeah. And it's not hurting anyone. No. And um Unless you're hexing people, then we can have a different conversation. But yeah, I I try to keep it positive. I very much uh, believe in karma and I don't need any bad karma. So um, no, I only wish everybody happiness and peace because that's all I want. And we all deserve that. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Josh does the same thing. When the full moon comes, for those of you who may believe in the metaphysical realm or want to get more into it, you know, the full moon, it's very powerful. And there are people who believe that putting out water to energize the water during the full moon is something that's we will that's powerful that we want to get into and I'll be saying oh I got to go put water outside and so Josh will take Jasmine out our dog and say oh look there's the moon water you know and just very very funny Jasmine don't drink the moon water yeah just poking fun but yet it is absolutely meant to be a positive it's not meant to be a negative and hell I mean if it makes you feel better and if you believe in it I don't care if it's a placebo if I sit Mm -hmm. here and hold these stones and wear a hematite bracelet because I think it works then it works yeah at the very least they're pretty yeah and um they make you mindful and that does that's what works if Mm -hmm. nothing else like it it is a visual physical reminder that you know each one has its different properties and so I've got my lipidolite uh, palm stone with me today, and that one's really good for calming your nervous system. Told you I was nervous today, and I feel pretty good. My heart rate's in, in control. That's awesome. Um, and I feel good. So to me, that's that works. Absolutely. And we all have thoughts that we sometimes struggle to wrap our head around, and we all have little fidgets or self-soothing behaviors that we engage in. And so for those of us who do carry, you know, crystals or gemstones, it even appeases that. So it it addresses a lot of these areas that many people struggle with. 
Yeah. And something that I think is so cool about a lot of things about the world that our kids are growing up in right now. Um, but one thing is the awareness of what you just mentioned, like the needing to fidget and have things in your hands and to distract yourself. And, um, you know, Alana came home one of the last transitions and she had all these different like fidget toys and little, I don't know all the proper names for them, but (laughs) just some cute little things that had, they're colorful and some of them looked like characters or food shapes and whatever. And there are all these different things to just keep her hands busy. Yep. And like, that's really cool. I, I appreciate that you have those tools and you understand what they're for and you use them. Yep. Well, we're all so overstimulated. Yeah. Especially with technology that this younger generation coming up is probably at a more disadvantage if they didn't have access to toys and items and fidget spinners and all these little pieces that allow them to get that excess energy out because we're surrounded by technology, which is different from when we were little. You know, 20 years ago, we played outside all the time and didn't have technology to the degree that we did. So that level of stimulation was different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that you feel like you've found this role for yourself and you're beginning to feel more comfortable in that role. And for as long as I've known you, it's been pretty incredible to watch you and myself included, you know, both of us go through these different phases of our lives. You know, we've been through graduations, we've been through birthdays, we've been through deaths, we've been through losses of a variety of kinds of relationship. And now I'm getting emotional thinking about what our friendship has has looked like. And now you're a co-parent to three wonderful little people and you've got a stable relationship and a job that you're really happy with. I mean, I remember watching you making that decision to leave your career and how difficult that that was and yet very freeing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really hard. There were a lot of uh, tears shed over that. And, you know, you've seen me through uh, probably the worst breakups I've ever had. <laughs> Obviously very hard to experience. Um, and there's just, you know, along the way, that stuff feels like so heavy and like that's all there'll ever be. And then, you know, you get on the other side of it and you're able to sit how we are and like look back on our friendship. I'm able to look back on my life and, you know, as I still have struggles, I still, you know, all that stuff, but I'm the happiest I've ever been with where I'm at. And I created that for myself. So that makes me proud. Yeah, you absolutely deserve to be proud of yourself. And I hope that that message gets to listeners and beyond that, again, feelings are temporary. What feels difficult and uncomfortable and hard will not be that way forever. Just take a step forward in the direction that you would like. It will get better. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been super fortunate to have the support system of people I've had around me during all of those times. And the female friendships that we, you know, created from that job, how we met and just, you know, I've paid close attention to how people make me feel. And if they don't make me feel good, then they don't need to be in my life. And that doesn't necessarily need to be a bad thing, but that's, you know, that's me learning my own boundaries and I don't need to have a million friends. I just need to have however many that make me feel really good about myself and who lift me up and I can do the same for them. Yeah. Yeah. You need your support group, your cheerleaders, 
whoever they look like, whatever they look like, not always the party people or, you know, the person that maybe made us feel good three years ago, but now there are some tension there and it no longer serves you, as you said before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's been a joy to have you come sit in front of me. And these are all things that I've known about you. And I'm so glad that you were willing to talk more about them and to share with other people your journey and your life. And and I look forward to sticking around for the rest of it too. Yay, let's blossom together. Let's do it. (laughs) Thank you, Kimmy, very much. Take care of yourself today, beyond today, forever. And I love you. I love you so much. Thank you for listening to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Please be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts and follow us on social media at I've been better dot pod.